Welcome to the Modern Carnivore Podcast, a guide for those interested in hearing more about hunting, fishing, and other paths to eating more responsibly. Now, here's your host, Mark Norquist. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Modern Carnivore Podcast. I'm here with Todd Waldron today. Todd, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. Uh, it's good to catch up. How you been? Yeah, doing well. It's the holidays here right now, and you know, through through the the main part of hunting season, uh, still trying to get out and maybe chase a grouse here. But it's uh, the window is closing and simultaneously transitioning into into ice fishing here here in Minnesota. What uh, what's going on out in New York? Yeah, same thing. So deer season just wrapped up here about a week or so ago uh, statewide. And uh, grouse season is still open. Snowshoe hare season is open through February. So we have a good winter window. And um, I'm seeing some reports of ice fishing on social. So up north, uh, where the weather's a little colder, people are hitting the ice. Um, the salmon, landlocked salmon, lake trout, some northern pike. So things are in full swing up north and they should be here in the southern Adirondacks within a couple of weeks. So uh, ice fishing is definitely on my radar. And uh, <laughs> hopefully within the next few weeks here by early January, we'll be on some hard water. Now you, uh, your dad got a deer, didn't he? Your uh, your father, how, how old is he and, and what, uh, what did he get? Yeah, so we had a great deer season. Uh, my dad and I hunted together quite a bit this year. And, uh, it was, it was so much fun being out in the woods with him. So he's 76. And so, uh, yeah, we were hunting together on our family woodlot. That's uh, been in our family since about 1951. It's about 45 acres, kind of a small woodlot, but lots of great memories. And he shot a beautiful racked buck, um, back in November. So that made the season for us. It was a great memory. And, uh, yeah, it just, it was a remarkable experience to be able to be in the woods with him when that happened and just to share that with him share the meat share the experience and um, just be outdoors with him it's uh, what I've been doing my whole life so it was, it was pretty great and you had a great deer season too right I mean you got right off on it quickly yeah yeah it was uh, it was a, a quick one <laughs> a couple <laughs> hours in on opening day uh, I took a took a smaller buck and uh, went after the venison and uh, it was it was it was nice it was a little bit weird this year obviously with covid and everybody trying to be socially distanced obviously when you're out in the field it's easy to do but back at camp everybody had separate campers and and uh it was a little different, but it was, it was good. It was good to be out in, in the woods and uh, really, really warm opening weekend. And we've had a lot of fluctuations here this fall, as I think I'd mentioned on the last podcast, just really warm, really cold. And, you know, as a result right now, we don't have a whole lot of ice uh, being made, but uh, it's slowly getting to that point where people are going to hopefully be getting houses out on, uh, out on the ice. And, uh, and so, you know, one of the other things I just want people to know is, you know, you just recorded a podcast with Peter Stein uh, from Pico Oysters, uh, which is which is pretty cool. Um, why don't you share a little bit about what's what's going on there? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Mark. Uh, that was such a fun conversation with Peter. And we thought that coming into the holidays, oysters have such a holiday tradition here in New York and beyond um, that we just thought it would be fun to be able to sit down and talk with Peter Stein, who founded Pico Oysters out on the North Fork of Long Island, talking about 
the traditions of eating oysters and some recipes and their significance, but also like their their sustainability and a little bit about oyster farming. And it was a really cool conversation. So I appreciated that. I did end up um, enjoying some oysters. I ordered some, bought some from him um, last week. And for Christmas Eve, we, um, gosh, we grilled some. We had some raw in the hot half shell and we just gorged ourselves in oysters. And it was, it was fantastic. They were briny, they were fresh. And uh, that really added to the whole um, experience of being able to talk with them as well. Yeah, I, l- I love oysters, and uh, it was it was a really cool conversation to listen to. I like what where he was talking about, you know, even in terms of, you know, they're they're farming these these um, these oysters, and and actually, there's actually some positive benefit uh, environmentally. They're creating habitat, and and uh, a lot of what they're they're adding to the environment, which is uh, pretty interesting. Um. So uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, dark house spearing, which um, you and I have talked about a fair amount, um, and I you've never done it uh, done it on the ice, uh, have you? The way we do it here in the Midwest, I, I have not, and I am I am so excited to hear this podcast and to follow hard water hunters. Uh, it, you have piqued my interest big time for somebody, you know, I spent many, many weekends growing up in a, in a hard shack on the ice every winter, but I have never speared, uh, here in New York. So it sounds like such a cool experience and opportunity. And, uh, we've got to set up a time sometime when it's safe to travel for, for us to do that together. I would absolutely love it. Absolutely. You know, there's a big swath here in the northern part of the U.S. that's sort of uh, from Michigan. You know, it used to be in New York, but I think more of a Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota type of a type of a space where it's most common and in, in a little bit of that culture in Montana also. Um, so, it, you know, in today's episode, this is the first outing this year. Uh, it was just a uh, about a week and a half ago, I went up into the Superior National Forest uh, with three other people, Don Murray, Devin O'Brien, and John Katorik, who is uh, who is working with me on this whole series, this Hardwater Hunter series. And uh, we, we hiked back into the forest right near the Boundary Waters, not too far from there. And it really looked like the Boundary Waters where we were at, a very remote lake. And in our conversation that evening after we were out that day, we, we jump right into it. And so I'll just give people who aren't familiar with this a summary of how it works. So, you know, in the northern climate here, we're getting ice on the lakes. It's getting anywhere from four to six inches thick. You can get out there and walk, which is nice. Once it gets thicker, you can actually drive a, a vehicle out. But um, you're going to look for spaces where you can set up a structure and the structure is going to block the light out. And so it used to be these these plywood shacks. Uh, nowadays, we're able to pop up these these like tents that are that are called hubs or other terms used for them. And what that's going to do is block out the light, so that you're now able to cut a hole in the ice. It's generally about two feet by three feet on average. And you're able to look down through that square hole into the bottom of the lake and use a, a wooden decoy or jig that you're going to to move through the water to try to 
attract the fish, get them curious about what's going on over there. And then you're going to have a spear in the other hand. And when that fish comes in, if it's the right species and the right size, you're going to take it by, by spearing it. And this is a very, you know, traditional way. It's the original, <laughs> the original type of fishing going way, way back. And, um, and so on this trip, we were going after Northern Pike. And uh, we're going to actually, John and I are going to head out here in a few days. We're going to go after whitefish, uh, which is another uh, spearable fish here in Minnesota, which is going to be a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy going after whitefish. And so, uh, so yeah, so this is the, the first trip that we're, that we're talking about today. I, I can't wait to listen to it. Um, it sounds really, really intriguing. And, you know, I'm also fascinated with the decoys. Like I've been seeing on social, I've been following some folks out in Minnesota and looking at some of the decoys and, and that's a whole fascinating part of it as well. Just seeing some of the art and the craft of making like some of the hand carving of those decoys. So that's just, I think it's really cool. And Hey, so this is a question. Um, so when you're, when you're spearing, uh, do you, are there spearing hours or can you spear any time of the day? Like you're using the shack to block out the light in the hole. Do you spear in the evenings after dark or is it like a daytime kind of thing? No, it's a, it's just a daytime thing, and and it's yep. going to vary by region and, and where you're spearing as to what the hours are, what yep. the size of the hole can be. Uh, so there's a lot of things that if you are going to look into this and and get out there on the ice for the first time, make sure you check the local regulations. But it's definitely a daytime type of activity where you need that that sunlight coming through the ice. And what's really interesting is is you know that light that ice just lights up like a like a television screen. That's a lot of people call it is, you know, sort of a slow TV. And, um, and so it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I think in a lot of respects, there's, there's nothing more exhilarating than when you see one of those big, big fish come through the hole. And it's a, it's pretty intimate experience from a fishing standpoint. And as we're calling it, hard water hunter is a little bit more of a, of a hunting thing, but, uh, but it'll, uh, it, you'll, you'll uh, get an idea for what it is in this conversation. Then you make sure you check out, uh, everybody, you could check out the, uh, blog posts that John is doing, where John has done interviews with decoy makers, spear makers, uh, and others, and he's doing a different uh, post in this series that gives a little bit of background into the into the culture of it. So, um, one last thing before we jump into it, and that is uh, new partnership. We have a Sitka Salmon Shares. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, SitkaSalmonShares.com is a business that. Um, is owned by uh, a group of fishermen out of Alaska, and they are providing direct sourcing of wild Alaskan fish to your doorstep. And I just had some the other day. I I had coho salmon uh, that Mark and Don Young from the Belladon, that's the name of their boat, uh, had had caught. And uh, it's pretty cool because you're able to see exactly who's catching the fish how they're catching it and getting it directly sent to you. And so, you know, as, as fishermen, as, as anglers, as, as hunters, we like to go out and get our own food a lot, but obviously, you know, that's, that's not always the case where you're going to have something available. And so if you're buying your fish fresh, consider these guys uh, and you'll know exactly where it's coming from. So if you, if you go to sickasalmonshares.com on checkout, uh, use the code modcarn25 and you'll get $25 off your your share order. So uh, check it out when you have a chance. 
Yeah, it's really cool. And I'm just going to say, I checked out their website and uh, it's fascinating. They have different packages for the shares. And I'm definitely going to be following up on that. Responsible food, small boats, you know, it just follows the course for exactly what we're talking about in these communities. Um, so that's good stuff, Mark. Uh, that's a great partnership and uh, look forward to getting involved with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, for, for us here in the Midwest, it's like we're going after whitefish and pike right now, uh, northern pike uh, with, with spearing. But uh, it's nice to bring a little halibut and some cod and some salmon into into the mix, too. So Definitely. Uh, well, let's uh, let's jump right into it here with Don Devon and John Kachorik uh, up in Superior National Forest. Okay, uh, we are here in the uh, north woods of Minnesota, just outside Superior National Forest. We went and uh, did some spearfishing today. Don, you took us back to a spot, and uh, an unnamed spot. Yes. But it, but it is a location that um, you had identified as something, you, as, as a place you wanted, to, you wanted to fish. So you've speared for a lot of years, right? Yeah, I've been doing it since... Since I was a teenager, at least, um, I always wanted to go with and my... You're how old now? Uh, <laughs> over 40. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I grandfather speared, dad speared, and it was always, you know, they wouldn't take a little kid along back in the 70s, but uh, when you get to that age, and, and uh, so I've been doing it probably since I was 14 years old. Okay, okay. Yep. So you target doing a new lake. You like to do a new lake every winter, right? That you've never yeah. You've I never like I like before. to get out and explore yeah. and just try different areas and kind of get off the beaten path. And um, some lakes are really good, and some are not spearable because it's too dark a water. But um, yeah, I like to get off the beaten path and and just have a whole day. So in your mind, what makes a good lake for dark house spearing? I, I like the lakes um, that uh, are kind of off off the beaten path. Um, uh, the clarity, that's, of course, a big, big issue. Um, I like to have a little bit of structure uh, on the lake. Um, and, um, yeah, just kind of, uh, um, you know, fine points and kind of grassy areas or, or uh, you can try to find those mud flats, yeah. you know, so you're not spearing rock areas. Yep. That was a big thing that we were yeah. worried about here today because I've never gone spearing this far north. And we're, you know, in Canadian Shield here, Rocky yep. uh, area. Um, but we found a spot. We found a good spot. You have to hunt for them, but you can find them up here. But, uh, but yeah, if, if you – and I've speared rocky areas. You just have to be very, very careful so you don't bend Catch a spear. That spear. Yeah, yeah. you gotta, <laughs> yeah. you got to shorten up the lanyard yeah. so you're not hitting bottom. <laughs> So, um, and when you talk about water clarity up here in the North woods, um, we've got a lot of tea stained waters, right? So a lot, a lot of, a lot of evergreens that are just bringing in that, those tannins, right? Correct. Yeah. You're not going to get the, the clarity, uh, in most of the local lakes, like you would over in the Grand Rapids area or down in Brainerd area. Um, they, they typically are more stained lakes, um, and you're not going to. You're not going to see, um, you know, uh, I guess most of the lakes, they say two to four meters. And I think that's kind of a stretch up here, too, for most most of the lakes. Yeah, yeah. For clarity. Okay, gotcha. So 
John, you brought somebody with you today. You did. Who has never been spearing before? First timer. First timer. Yeah. Devin, you uh what did you think of spearing? Man, it was uh I thought I thought a lot of things about it today, actually. <laughs> we had a lot of time to think given how many fish we saw. <laughs> I think my uh my first or my lasting impression of just like if there was a one quick takeaway, it's that this is a this is a different sort of thing. I think I went into it with a mindset of I'm just going ice fishing and this is kinda like like that, but I could instantly tell we were doing something different. It seems like the you know, having a hike in situation is pretty cool and makes it a little more rustic, but even beyond that it was like technology has not overrun this sport yet and there was a lot more of this sort of um kind of woodsmanship happening of just like feeling it out where's the spot gonna be okay we're gonna use these special tools to cut a hole in the ice and all of that stuff is it's just a it's a different thing absolutely those those are the things that uh that i think john and i love about it so this is our first outing this year for our hard water hunters series Mm -hmm. that john and i are doing and um I mean, those are some of the things that you're focusing on. You're, you, you've gone out and done interviews with uh, spear makers, with decoy makers, yeah. etc. Yeah, and you know the the idea of it being sort of a a, a, con, a conglomeration of many cottage industries across the state and um, some really like specialized local things in terms of decoys, in terms of types of spears, in terms of um, you know, there's, there's saw makers that are, you know, everyone, basically, everyone basically across Minnesota uses two saws. And we saw in that article that some people as far away as Antarctica and Russia are using saws made in Minnesota, uh, which is, which is really cool and a testament to just like the quality of some of this stuff. We know how to manage our ice. Exactly. We know how to cut, (laughs) we know how to cut through some ice in, in, in Minnesota. And, you know, I think the, what Devin was talking about definitely resonates because you're there there's not a lot of tech involved and it's 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 a lot of simple machines at work you know especially with the hiking we were feeling the inclined plane we were chiseling away ice and we were using you know wedges and levers with the with the spuds and everything and i just there it's it's a really back to basics sort of adventure including like you're not you're not trying to hook a fish with a fancy lure or you know behind a thousands of dollar trolling motor or anything it's like that's the fish i have this piece of iron in my hand and like i have to connect (laughs) absolutely that i'm curious that's what i love about it and always have there's no industry around it and and i'd be curious because it 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 is has been getting more popular in Mm -hmm. recent years and i wonder if there's going to be new types of products that get developed around this it'll be like if you're going spearing you got to have this and it'll be some type of maybe it's technology maybe it's something else and and whether people respond to it i i think us here would probably uh say no we're we're not we're not into that we just like the aspect of like you said hunk of iron in in your hand although i do like some of the uh ultralight innovations that 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 you had with the collapsible spear and the uh there's a couple other things that was just like oh we could save some weight that way you can make this make this and and that's um, the streamlined sled that was that was pretty slick too you don't think mine was very streamlined i mean you had you you know streamlined for 200 pounds of production gear and 
plus all the it's it's a it's a it's a pretty weight heavy sport too for for uh but Don, you got Don, Don's got it. He's got a minimalist and but all the essential components, right? For sure, and, and um, uh, the collapsible, uh, the hub style tents. Uh, that for me, that's been the biggest innovation yeah. uh, that I've seen because it's it's really changed the game as far as where you can go spearing. Yep. Uh, where before they had the big suitcase style yep. ones, that was about as portable as it, you could get. Um, I still have one of the old Mankato yeah. fish house tents, uh, we have, we and, have and they work great. Too. They work great. But as you can see, where we went today, if you had to haul one of those in, not happening. It would not. Be it's there. just too <laughs> wide. Like, is that, is that the one with the plywood floor? Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yes. we used to have one of those. Yep. You wouldn't have been able to fit it down the trail, right? Yeah. Nor want to carry it up <laughs> that hill. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, the hub fishing designs—they just keep getting better and better, and that uh, that uh, is really. Uh, been a change i know when they first came out the the fish house that i have i had to seal all the pinholes on it to be able to spear out of it because right. they weren't really made for that then we did a video a few years ago and it was the first time i started using a hub for spearing and i remember going this is like you said this is a game changer for spearing for sure but it's it was orange on the outside and black on the inside and you just see orange glowing all <laughs> right yeah inside of it but it worked today was my first hub spearing experience and i've I've spent a lifetime in mankato tent nonning uh foldables and i think i feel like there's big inverted quotation marks around portable on those things right, right. they're portable <laughs> if you have a four-wheeler they were the best and a of their day trailer they were the best for their day yep a bunch of bunch of like teenage sons to like <laughs> wrestle them off the off the trailer well, that's where even even like, you know, the clams of 10, 15 years ago versus now, you know, we had that one today that was made for, for spearfishing. And that, like you said, that thing is made. Every seam is sealed. Yeah. So there's no light getting in. That was, it that was a really nice well. house. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really worked well, I think. Yeah. I don't know even if, if you guys just the fact that you've been doing this for, for so long, you take it for granted, but the, the tools involved in just cutting a hole in the ice mm-hmm. and getting that block out of there. I, I saw you. What was that big spike thing called? You guys uh, all kind of uh, checked out each other's tools and was like, oh, yeah, where's that? It's a, it's yeah. a, that's a big like, oh, what, what are you? There's a little bit of like competition <laughs> and a little bit of like you were talking about this out on the ice, though, of like you grow up in families and families yeah. have their way of doing things. And then you see someone else doing it. And sometimes you're like, oh, that's really cool. I never thought of it. And sometimes you're like. You know, you kind of look sideways at him, and that was a, that's a, kind of the unique thing I think about spearing is because a lot of a lot of folks and a lot of the heritage when this whole thing came out, they made a lot of their own spears yeah. or they yeah. made their decoys, they made their their tents. I was I was telling Mark earlier, uh, prior to tents, they would make um, you know they'd make uh, shacks out of uh, cardboard mm-hmm. or um, uh, the old. Uh, uh, newspaper tin yep. that they would get for the printing so they're trying to keep them light and trying to get them out on the ice but it wasn't something that required uh, a lot of money to do it was it was something pretty much anybody could do if they spent the time to make decoys or make their their little ice uh, shanty um pretty much anybody could do it it's a it's a craft uh activity craft sport you know that that doesn't have industry and i and i think it's cool and it's funny what you're saying Devin. i like that every everybody's sort of checking out because like don so talk a little bit about you know i had a, a manufactured you know spud bar that along you did too but you had your custom one yeah i i've 
I've been doing this a long time and, and I go, go to uh, shows and look at decoys and just kind of the whole interaction. Uh, I carve some decoys and, um, and yeah, I, I, I met a spear maker. Um, and I, I believe I'm probably going to butcher his name, but, uh, H J E L L E, uh, Yelly. Yeah, 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 and, and he made one. I, I talked to Lauren is his first name. I talked to him at a at a decoy show. We had a little downtime, and I kind of told him I did the the kind of the the backcountry stuff and going in the boundary waters and in kind of these small lakes. And I told him I said I wanted a a breakdown spear, uh, kind of like a pool cue is is how I described it. And he was he was really picking up on that, thinking that was a good idea. Had he made a breakdown one like that Never before? had. Really? Yours is one of one? Or? No, he's making more now. One I've, I've seen one more since. But, uh, but that was the first one that he made. Patent pending. And, and uh, we went back and forth on the phone a few times on exactly uh, what the requirements yeah. were and how many That's pieces. Awesome. And and uh, he made a nice little case that you saw. It just comes in three pieces and just literally threads together like a pool cue. And it's taken, you know, a, a good sized spear and, and knocked it down where you could put it in a, a backpack. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, that spear, even though it's in pieces, but it also, even once it's fully extended, it's fairly short. What is the total length of that? Because you've got a pretty small hub you, you fish out of. Uh, yeah, I would say it's probably five feet. About five yeah. feet. Yeah. 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 Yep. That is a work of art. I love that spirit. Yeah, that is, and it's it it is a work of art, and it, it's just it's beautifully balanced, um, and it's just it's it's an heirloom. I mean, I'll yeah, it's I'll have it forever. It's got that wishbone in it. That uh, yeah, that's their that's their that's like, their, the, signature. their signature yeah. design. So, John, you you've got a book sitting on the table here, ice yes. fishing spears. It's like the history of American mm-hmm. ice fishing spears, which is crazy. You say, as you said, the author. Somebody who had way too much time on their hands. Yep. <laughs> the only copies you can find are all signed, which is, is it's an unbelievable book. So what, I mean, when you look at that book and you think about, how many spears do you have? Ooh. Uh, He's I've got seven different ones that were... That, that are like blacksmith spears that it, that's what I really count as spears. We have a handful of don't judge me all store bought ones like the the manufactured um, the ones you can get at the big box places that we bought for people that were coming along for first times before we were able to track down um, some of the some of the blacksmith made ones and yeah so there's a there's a there's two that I picked up at a flea market two that we got when I was my dad got one and I got one when I was about 10 that were like the the, the they pris- were new or they were the old? pristine like okay. Grand Rapids the the Vernig ones you can see the article when we post it uh shout out to our to our uh postings that are coming up um and then we we thought that we couldn't find those anymore and then 20 some years later we found them again and we bought a couple more for the next generation to have so yeah I have between my father and I, we have seven uh, blacksmith-made ones and then um, a handful of store-bought ones. What have you guys found in terms of, like, a good spear versus a bad spear? 
you know, they're there again, you know, what's the, what's the proper fishing lure? You know, yeah. that's the same question. Um, it's just construction, overall quality weight, you know, how it, how it feels in your hand when you throw it. Um, just I think that's the of, key with a lot of the cheaper ones is I, I don't think they throw very well. They're bottom heavy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you, yeah, you, they're not balanced correctly. Exactly, yep. You don't, you don't get a good throw on it. Um, and a big way you can tell too with the the store bought ones or the mass produced ones is it's either stamped, right? So you can exactly. tell it's die cut out exactly, of a big yeah. piece of, yeah. of metal or all of the, if they'd make it out of, I'm probably getting the, uh, any iron worker is going to just be like, oh, what is this guy talking about? But like the, the round stock just has pieces yeah. chiseled yeah. out of it yeah. Yeah. rather than it's bent back on itself. And it's yeah. like the, the tine is really drawn out and, and I forget the, the term for it. But, you know, they just take like the, they just chisel out the tines and that really weakens the, the, the barbs on it. Um, I just find when you hold a well-made one, it's just, it just feels right in your hand. It's the weight is balanced throughout the entire. You can feel the quality. I mean, these people that made these are craftsmen. They're, they're, they're really, it's like putting a specialized, uh, like a firearm together, you know, like what makes a good rifle, you know, if it fits you well and, 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 uh, that's exactly what these, uh, these spear, uh, makers have done over the years is they've, they've perfected a craft and, uh, and made good quality products. So I want to back up for a minute because I, I wonder if some people are maybe even confused about what we're talking about. <laughs> like, this is a real deep dive real quick. <laughs> it's December. We're in northern Minnesota. We're dark house spearing. We're There's th- ice. <laughs> There's huh? ice. So lakes freeze. And you go out on the lake. Our studio audience is loving this part. (laughs) We do have a studio on the stage. And you cut a hole in the ice, and then you stare down it and wait for a fish to come. Because and and you're hopefully attracting them with a with a jig, a decoy. Yep. And then you're going to spear them with these spears that we've gone a little bit of a deep dive here on. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Devin, did you? Did you jig today at all? Did, were, were you working on that decoy? I think I didn't have the confidence to do it when John was in the house with me. But okay. when he left, I did take over a little bit and <laughs> swim that decoy around. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Now, you had, you had, did you have that ginormous decoy, decoy down all day long? Uh, no, we, we switched it up. I don't know. Probably spent half the time down there with the... The fourteen, the little guy was the fourteen produced. Inch, the, the the little guy brought the fish in yep. later in the day. The fire tiger, yeah. That the fourteen inch Bruel. Again, shout out to the to ah, the, the article that's, that's coming up okay. on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I wrote that article about. Um, that one is just the only decoy I've ever had to use at the the one lake I go to in the one spot I fish at for <laughs> most of the time that I have ever yeah. done spear fishing, but. You know, I think it's it's just like anything. You know, it's conditions, it's lake, totally. it's um, what works here might not work there. You know, and I think I just have that lure is or that decoy is dialed into like that place, right? And that spot, it's worked year after year. But you know, we had to, we had to change things up a little bit. We had the the spinner going down there as well when the fish, yeah, you did have a little. That's probably as technologically advanced as this whole thing gets. Was that, that was that that is there's a lot there's a bit of technology there. So what? describe it. Well, there was a there was a golf ball with a daredevil attached to it with no treble <laughs> hook Paint, on the thing. Painted golf ball, yeah. <laughs> Painted thing. Same that same ran pattern. up to a a little electric motor that just 
rotated that thing down there. What was really interesting to me, though, as someone who I feel like the, the lures we're using in this situation you would never use in a in a fishing scenario, right? Like it's just like golf ball yeah, out there yeah, dead, like okay. dead stick this fourteen inch decoy just right off the side of the boat and leave it there. I mean, that's that to me was like if you did that ice fishing trying to hook something, you're just trying to get the fish to take a look. Yeah, so that's all you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's it's different. You're not trying to trigger a strike. You're trying to trigger curiosity, yep. right? So that's exactly right. You want uh, you want like the you know something something that sparks their curiosity let's let, let's go down that path for a minute because i think again 99.9 percent of people listening to this have never been dark house spearing and and, and so <laughs> <laughs> you haven't either and um and so i think describing what the strategy is is important exactly like you said so don talk talk about that like it's not how is it different from fishing with a hook if you've ever been bow hunting it's more like bow hunting than it is fishing Um, because you're sitting in one spot you're trying to be quiet (laughs) uh, and you're you're just you're trying to get the fish to come in and take a look so you're not trying to um, like he said get a strike to happen sometimes they'll just come roaring in and, and nail the decoy other times they'll come just just slowly just poking in um, to just to take a look, uh, but it's yeah, I, I I think it's a lot more like hunting than it is fishing because you sit there and and it's it's really a watch and release, you know. If if yeah. you if you see a lot of fish come in, a different species of fish, bass, uh, perch come through, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, it's kind of neat to see all the the underwater world that you don't get to see when you're fishing. You know, yeah, right. You, you don't you don't get to see that. So I think it's more intimate than than regular fishing. I mean, when when you say you see it coming, so okay, Devin, first time you've ever yep. had this happen, day. So let's let's go there in terms of we were out all day. We started when it was dark this morning. We hiked our way back into this lake. Yeah. Um, we got everything set up and. We didn't see anything most of the day. <laughs> then this afternoon, you guys moved. We did. You guys moved the house down around that point. Johnny had a hunch about that going around that corner. He did. He did. So, how would you describe? So, I want you to describe what happened, and I mean, just give a perspective on that fishing versus hunting, because you do fish, you hunt, you've just never done spearing before. Yep. The, the thing that was cool is I, I told John this today, but there was a, I used to walk to a lake near my house where I grew up and I'd go ice fish there and I didn't have an auger, any of the gear, and I would kick holes open that had been kind of left behind by whoever <laughs> was fishing before me. But there was a guy that put a dark house up, yeah. probably one of these ones you guys were describing with the canvas over the top, and he didn't lock it. And I used to go in this guy's dark house and fish through the hole and I was terrified when I was in there because you couldn't there's no window to look out right so I knew I'm like this guy's gonna come and bust me one of these times but I I couldn't help myself it was so cool to have that window down into the lake and it just feels like magic you know like you're just seeing a secret world and you don't get that perspective in the summer like you do through the ice and with a hole that big sight fishing is it's pretty cool it's really cool Yeah. yeah so today like sitting over that there's a there's a like 
the anticipation, the anticipation of, of what's just beyond the window of my you know frame here. That, that yeah. he's coming. I felt like that. Um, you know, hope was just on the horizon yeah. all the time. I didn't get like too discouraged. Yeah. You know, we, we probably well, how long were we out there? Six, six, seven hours. Yeah, probably. so it was a fairly long sit, but yeah, you know, you're like it could happen at any time. It could all. It's going to go down, yeah. and then it kind of did, right? A northern cruised in. Um, I've noticed you Spears call them Pike though. Northern's not cool. <laughs> I, I, Northern. I think that's an Arrowhead thing. I don't. I've never heard him called Pike as much as I have on this trip. Huh. I think that's an Arrowhead thing because they actually have more and better species of fish in this part of the state than we do in most but of the other parts of the state. They have to differentiate. That fish just cruised in like I had imagined it, but you know, I'd kind of ask like, okay, how do we do? Like, what's the move? It's just. It seems like you're going to spook that thing. Yeah. But you had it dialed. You told me what to do, and then... I did the complete opposite, basically. Yeah, well, you, it was just... <laughs> it's just different seeing somebody okay. do it. You know, if you had told me what to do and how to do this, I don't think I, I would have done what you did. But seeing you do it was okay. like a good... It's a good... It was a good experience to sort of see some situation that was kind of happening yeah. different than maybe what we had imagined. And mm. Which is what? You were thinking... Yeah, so a pike came in, spooked... You swam that decoy a little bit, and yeah. it was coming, but it, we weren't confident that it was going to yeah, hang around for exactly. a whole long. It kind of hung up just beyond, just wider than a straight line down from the hole. Yeah. So it was kind of took you leaning over that hole and sh- shooting a little wider than little we angle. could. Yeah. And sort of, I had been imagining this very delicate kind of vertical hold the spear vertically yeah. <laughs> be careful about moving and then slowly, no more than two degree variation yeah slowly Watch just release you know like get, and that's that's where it's like hunting because get your you, you gotta get your good shot yeah it's, a, it's the same thing with your bow hunting you know is it a good shot and sometimes you just see a part of the fish a tail of the fish or, or that's not a, a spearable uh a portion so you have to wait for that. Yep. And the, the anticipation again, waiting for that fish. Is it going to come back around? Is it not? It, you know, you just don't know. You always have the sense too, that like, there's like a monster fish just outside the hole, just giving you the middle fin. <laughs> it's like, I, I know what that decoy does. I'm going to just sit here and just taunt you forever. And, and you never know how many fish come within, you know, five, six feet of that, yeah. that you never see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Don't decoy, as the as the old timers would say. Yeah, fish came. came they're I mean, just, they're just not decoying today. The the tradition part of it that I mean, for me, that's what I'm still very struck by more than the the tactical piece. But it kind of is related because, you know, I mean, I'm I, I'm into archery, and and there's plenty of trad guys out there that do that. But you have to be making a conscious decision to do this thing that's not as effective as. I mean, there's plenty of guys that are really good and probably just as effective, right? But you're kind of choosing to do it the old-time way. But what I'm seeing here is this old-time way in spearing is the most effective way to do it. You know, and that's... That seems pretty cool to me. You know, the way that decoy is built, the the spears and all the things that go into it, there's still some real craftsmanship and it's not... You guys aren't doing it the old-school way just for for fun, right? Or just Mm -hmm. for some hobby. It's like, this is how it's done and it works. Mm Mm-hmm. I I get a lot of enjoyment out of fooling the fish. That that's why that's why I I, I have the decoys that I have, and I have a I have almost a hundred decoys, Whoa. and uh, it's I, I like to change them over. You know, like today I was I went through every decoy I had in my bag. Um, Are you swimming them around and doing that whole thing constantly, or 
Not constantly. No, it, it kind of depends on, you know, how the fish are acting that day. Today, we didn't have a lot of fish movement, so we were trying to get them to just come in and yeah. take a look. Um, and there was very few opportunities. Tomorrow, we're going to have a sunny day. Uh, the, you probably noticed the ice was cracking today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had that wind, so you hear that, that shot, and that spooks the fish, too. So it's, um, we kind of had a cloudy, windy day making noise on the ice. Tomorrow's supposed to be sunny and, and calm winds. So I'm hoping it's going to be a see more fish tomorrow. So it's going to be cold tonight, too. It's supposed to get yeah. down, and they're saying single digits. Ooh, they, they were saying yeah. 10, now, now single digits. So yeah, and we had real good ice today. I mean, it was making ice, and we had good, beautiful, clear ice today. Yeah, so. it's interesting. We, we had like eight to nine inches on that first hole, but then you had like a, I had a foot, a foot, yeah, on that's on it that. Was, 150 feet away maybe yeah 200 feet away yeah 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 and you are one strong sob to get that big block out of there in one chunk (laughs) not Uh, pictured me sliding him a 20 dollar bill to say that on the podcast (laughs) well don really appreciate you taking us out to this lake up here in the forest and uh we had a lot of fun it was a great day yeah thanks for coming and uh looking forward to tomorrow Devin, you gotta head back man you gotta hit the road which which stinks duty calls uh, yeah tomorrow we're gonna get the big ones that's how it always works that's how yeah you should have been here the next day that's (laughs) okay the day before is also great too I heard the fishing on Thursday. The day before Thursday the day was after. unreal. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The fishing yesterday was always the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, guys, and uh, we're going to go fishing again soon. So I hope you enjoyed today's conversation about dark house spearing on the ice. If you want to check out more info, make sure you go to modcarn.com. You can check out the whole series of Hardwater Hunters content that we'll be putting out in the coming weeks. And everybody stay safe out there and have a great new year. Thanks for listening to the Modern Carnivore Podcast. You can continue the journey by going to modcarn.com. 